Hello, I'm Suzette Shamoon. I'm a psychologist and cognitive hypnotherapist, and this is my podcast, Hand Baggage Only. In this series, along with an array of guests, I'll be examining the emotional baggage that builds up and clutters our lives due to the complex nature of our life experiences and relationships with those around us. When is a friend truly no longer a friend? How do our friendships change when our life circumstances do? And why do those around us not always act in a way which we would want or expect them to? And why don't we? We'll explore these questions and more together so that we enter our friendships with hand baggage only and leave room for stronger, more authentic friendships to grow. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hand Baggage Only. Today we're exploring the complicated situation of what happens to our friendships when we suddenly find ourselves single again. What happens if your partner was the one in control of the social diary? Is it inevitable that friends will opt to take sides? And what happens when they don't? And how do we deal with the realisation that people now regard us differently? Perhaps we're a threat or we're no longer associated with that friendship group. Oliver Baum is a psycho-spiritual therapist and a systemic facilitator, but today he joins me as my friend of 10 years and as a fellow divorcee. Now, Oliver and I have talked at length over the years about the pluses and pitfalls of coming through a divorce and what that can mean for our friendship circles. And so today we decided to carry on that discussion for you to hear now. Thank you so much for joining me today to have this conversation about friendship post-breakup. Like me, you're divorced. You've been on that incredible journey where everything, your whole life is turned upside down. And with that, those friendship dynamics can change. And again, like me, you're a therapist. So you've worked with couples who are going through, who have been through breakups as well and supported them in their changes in their friendship dynamics. Tell me a little bit about what your friendships were like pre-divorce when you were married still. I think I fell into a bit of a stereotype that a lot of guys do where I sort of go and do the work and the friendships and all the relationship side of the relationship is managed by my now ex-wife, which I suppose is efficient on one level when you're married, but isn't quite so useful when, when you're not. All of your friendships? There was the friendships I had from school, which very much have stayed with me. So the old friendships, I mean, I'm just thinking my oldest friend, Stu, we used to have a peg next door to each other when we were seven at school. Even though, you know, on the surface we don't have a great deal in common anymore, that's a friendship that's stayed all the way through. So actually it's the male friendships that have really, really stayed. So you have your old male friendships from pre-marriage. Yeah. And those stayed constant throughout your marriage? Yeah. Did you have female friends growing up? I suppose one of the joys of all boys' schools is not so many, but yes, I did. And some of those have have stayed constant as well. I'm thinking particularly friends from university and school. I suppose it's where we had a, a common ground prior to marriage, so it wasn't a relationship or a friendship built on kids or, or whatever else. During your marriage, because I know for me, I came to England and in my first year of moving here, that was when I met my husband and, you know, within six months of a year we were married. So... The friendships that I made were very much friendships that we we created together. So mm. I didn't have that dynamic that you're describing. So for you, the friendships that you had from pre-marriage, did you have any friends who you didn't socialize with as a couple? 
friends who were with me before marriage, I think, carried on through into the marriage as well. So I used to throw a New Year's Eve dinner, and a lot of them were friends of mine from school or university, and some of their friends and things like that. So yeah, we would very much socialise all together. There weren't any friends that were sort of separate to my marriage at that point. Okay. I think they just came with me. And then, I don't know about you, but for me, I acquired a lot of friends once I had my children. Most of my friendships evolved Thanks to the kids, because I did that whole mother at the gate, school gate, mm. speaking to people, wanting my child to not be a social outcast. So, you know, you get friendly with people. <laughs> and actually, you grow through these friendships and you you grow into these friendships and you're all on this same journey with each other where, mm. again, don't want to play on the stereotypes, but your children can be challenging they can be wonderful but they can also be really annoying and so you speak to your parents at the school gate and you complain and, and through that complaint you have this common bond all of a sudden these these friendships evolve and we had a lot of those friendships mm. for a period of time um, well obviously my children are angels so we didn't have the bonding like that but, oh, obviously, uh, of course. <laughs> I wonder if there's a slight gender difference in that as well as a, as a dad at the school gates and I, I kind of dipped in and out of that depending on what was going on I felt I was part of it and slightly outside of it now whether that's just my narrative or whether that was the actual case I don't know but it did seem to me as if there was a, a sort of common bond around the mums very much as you described and as a dad you kind of you kind of swing in and swing out and you're kind of in it but not and the dads getting together was a, I mean it happened but not very often how about evening socialising as couples or weekend socialising, again, without the children or with the children? Did you do that? Did you have that experience? Sometimes. Again, it was probably with older friends. You know, there was your parent dinners and things like that. You know, somebody who works as a couples therapist, I always found those fascinating, which probably doesn't make for the best social interaction. But anyway, yeah. but I was always quite fascinated. Like the guys would always sit at one table and the mums would always sit at the other table. And it was kind of, like, and then I'd find myself sat at the mum's table thinking I've obviously missed a trick here or something's gone wrong you know I used to enjoy that personally they weren't particularly deep friendships but they were very much contained within those environments and rarely sort of went outside whereas I think my wife at the time she had more relationships they they transcended into going for coffees and, and more normal friendships if you want to call it that all of a sudden you separate, right? Mm. There's this, obviously it's not all of a sudden that there is a build-up that happens for most people anyway. That was my experience. When you made that decision to separate, what was the reaction of your friends? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it had been a slow, drawn-out process. So I almost would say that we separated before we separated, and that became apparent with friends as well. So our, our social lives became much more separate. Um, I think there was a running joke that you never saw us in the same room together, so people would question whether we were actually the same person. <laughs> but uh, afterwards, the circumstances were difficult, and there was an element of, I suppose, well-poisoning, let's put it that way. If things are said, you know, couples obviously will talk to each other's friends about the other, and then coming back together to kind of talk, and who knows what's been said, and da-da-da-da-da. It's very, very difficult. Okay, so did um, that happen before you announced your separation? Um, that happened before. So I think if, and there does seem to be, I mean, just as a generalisation, people seem comfortable with taking sides, not always, but it, it's nice to have a sense that it's because of something that a couple separate. And so I think if people did have a view, they had that view already. 
my experience was slightly different to yours. I only had maybe one or two friends who I discussed the difficulty that I was mm. having in my marriage. So it came as a massive shock to everybody. Nobody was expecting that, that separation to happen. And when we came out to tell everyone, we, we decided to tell everyone that it was mutual. It was a mutual decision because it was just easier this way. No one had to pick a side. And I think that already made it easier for my friends the one thing I think neither of us wanted to do was to do that well-poisoning thing where mm. we didn't want to recruit friends. We didn't think it would be helpful for either of us to be without friends. <laughs> and also, we didn't think it was good for our kids because, again, mm. uh, so many of our, our friendships were based around our children um, that there was going to be this issue of how do you manage being apart and socializing. And we did that thing of, you know, we'll stay friends and, you know, that pie in the sky, let's hope that we can stay friends. And, you know, that's not off the table, but you need to go through what you have to go through yeah. to get there, right? No one separates because they're so in love with each other. There is always going to be that build up where you sit down and you talk to your friends and you discuss what's going on and they're only hearing your perspective, mm. right? Which is what you're describing, yeah. is you had your perspective, your ex-wife had her perspective. Mm. You sit down, you talk to your friends about it. And then by the time you've actually come to that decision, there's like a demarcation of team this one or team that one, team yeah, wife, team it husband. It becomes polarized, really. Did it stay that way? Yeah, I would say very much so. Looking at it now, I suppose I've got my friends and she's got her friends from it and there isn't any crossover as far as I'm aware. And are they the same friends who you grew up with who stayed loyal to you and her friends who she grew up with stayed loyal to her? How yeah. does it work with the friendships that you've made in your married life? Yeah, I would say it's the people we've grown up with who stayed. It's sort of, if you imagine two friendship groups mm. come together because a couple are together and then the couple separate and they've come apart again. I certainly didn't lose any of my old friends. Out of but it. you've lost some of the newer ones. Um, yeah, I've just lost contact with people who who I may have lost contact with anyway once the children grow up and leave schools and things like that. From a friendship perspective, it's almost as if there's a period of time that vanished in some ways. Um, there is a bit of a vacuum. I think it's almost just from that connection point of view as if that's not there anymore. That was just a time. Do you think you could be friendly with any of your ex-wife's friends? Yes, I think that's probably the case. Whether they'd want that or not is another matter, but I would say, yeah, I think it's possible. So what was it like for you losing those friendships then? It was difficult. It was it was the not knowing element of it. You know that things have been said. I mean, this, this goes both ways, by the way. Yeah. Knowing that things have been said, but not knowing what has been said. So I think maybe as part of it, you know, there's a tendency to want to retreat from that. It doesn't feel safe anymore as a space to just talk and chat. Did you ever challenge that? No, I, I could have challenged it. I'm not sure it would have been worth it, but um, for whatever reason, I didn't. That's for sure. And that's because... <laughs> You're not going to like this at all, but anyway. Go on. Couple split up. Yeah. Put the family home on the market. Mm. You have a set of pots of pans in the kitchen representing mm. friends. Some pots go one place and other pots go the other place. As long as everybody's got enough to cook with, it's okay kind of thing. And I think that was very much my mentality. It goes, okay, well, those were her friends. There you go. Okay, that's such a black and white way of looking it is, at life. It is. very, very male and very, very linear. And I suppose it kind of protects from the hurt in some ways. But does it? No, obviously not. But on a, on a cognitive level, it does. I consider myself lucky. I've only lost a few friends mm. who decided to pick loyalties for whatever reason. But it hurts. It really, really hurts. Mm. And there is one friend in particular who made a big hoo-ha of, 
you know, when when she heard that we were splitting up, oh, you know, I'm there for you and if you need help mm-hmm. and whatever. And then a year later, all of a sudden, I'm being blanked and I didn't really understand why. And I, I called her up mm-hmm. and I, I challenged her on it. And I, I don't understand what's going on. And in all fairness to her, she, she felt that she was in a position. And whether I agree with her perspective or not, it's irrelevant. She's got it and that's fair enough to her and I've got to try and respect that, right? But it still hurts. But it hurts less when you challenge and you can actually use your voice. You know, you're you're running away, but you end up holding on to the hurt more, no? No, not necessarily. I mean, one, I'm, I'm very good at using portrayal to my advantage. If I feel betrayed by something, I will then take that and develop from a, usually from a spiritual perspective or a therapeutic perspective. And sometimes actually things just aren't worth challenging. I'm sure there's times when actually challenging things would have been a better option. Um, But other times, actually, I think it's better just to leave them. How do you know when it's the right time to challenge and when it's the right time to step away? Because what I'm hearing from you is that there is an element of defense there, right? Hmm. It's, I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to fight. I've been hurt enough as it is, so I'm going to retreat, right? And that's what a lot of people do, yeah? You know, oh, you're not my friend. Do you know what? I didn't need you anyway. I'm going to go away. And and we all do that. All of us will will find um, a reason to run away. It's the fight or flight response, right? Mm. We get triggered. We feel threatened. We don't want to, to experience any more pain, so we run away. Or we fight and we have to share our perspective and we need to keep telling you until you finally agree with me and then you finally really want to be my friend because I've proven to you that I really am worthy in that fight or flight response. That's what we do as human beings when we feel threatened, when our self-esteem is threatened, when our social standing Mm. is threatened. So that's what you're describing to me. How do you know when it's worth it or not? Or do you just naturally Mm. run away? You know, I'm not a, a fleer. I tend to freeze or fight, my preferred responses. I mean, the question would be, you know, am I going to be just banging my head against a brick wall? And if I am, then I will take a step back. And I will take the hurt of that over the continued hurt of staying present in a relationship or trying to stay present in a relationship that's not going to be there. So where are you at now with your friendships? You've been divorced for how many years? Nearly seven years, I suppose. So you described your life with your wife You were the typical male, (laughs) as you describe yourself. Um, You left it to her to do all of the social arranging. In some ways, yeah. In some ways. Okay. So how's it been for you now, being a typical male who used to have someone handle his social diary for him? (laughs) It wasn't a massively active social diary, in fairness, but I've had to reprioritize. You know, I have a tendency towards focusing on work anyway. I mean, I love what I do, so that helps in one way, but then does tend to keep me focused so I have to actively choose to make time for friends. Are you good at it? No, not really. <laughs> and you know that very well. <laughs> well I know, hence you're on this podcast. <laughs> if you're not good at it, how do you manage that? I have to check in with myself. Every so often I'll I'll get that feeling where I'm going sort of housework, housework, housework. And I get a lot of fulfillment out of work. I get a lot of fulfillment out of my kids at home as well. They're getting older and they're on their, you know, they're on the way to launching, which is great to see. And it does make me realise friendships are something I need to nurture more. Okay, so I'm going to go back to about five minutes ago, where you said it wasn't really worth fighting for those friends. 
Do you still stand by that statement? Yeah, I do. There's something about discernment, and maybe this is age. There's certain friends, you know, old friends I would fight for, and really close friends I would fight for, and there are friendships that I have fought for and lost, thinking back over time. I'd rather have a few really good, solid, deep friendships than a big group of acquaintances that I might, not that I'm into football, but I might talk about the football with down the pub or something like that. That's just not really the kind of friendships that feed me. It bores me, to be honest. Definitely for me, I think age has Mm. had something to do with it, whereby, you know, I had lots of surface level friends, let's call them, where, you know, the people who you can go sit down, have a coffee, not talk about too much other than, you know, the weather and what little Johnny's been doing in painting club. And I had a couple of deep friendships. I do feel that when my marriage ended, I went into myself for a while. I I don't know about you, but for me, because I didn't have that same journey as you, whereas it was this massive shock to everyone of, oh my gosh, they're splitting up. The one thing I didn't want to do was start talking about why. Hmm. I wasn't ready to process it for myself, let alone share it with the world. And that was when I think also COVID hit as well. And I think a lot of people, you know, that that definitely affected Mm. friendships. Um, That helped me to to become more discerning in the way that you say Mm. of who are the people I'm ready to share myself with at that deep and intimate level and who are the people who I'm not ready to share myself with. And I think that comes with life experience, with age and these massive shifts in life. I realized that I needed to start making an effort with my friends. Yes, it was good to have a couple of deep, intimate friendships with a couple of people. But for me, that's not enough. Yeah, I needed yeah. a little bit more. And I was used to doing that as a couple with a partner. Now, we didn't go out much. We had a different way of socializing because of the restrictions because of my husband's illness. But irrespective, now all of a sudden, I needed to learn how to to manage myself socially. And it was different. It was tough. It was really, really tough because I didn't know who I was supposed to socialize with. Going out as a single woman with a couple friends felt weird. Didn't really have a huge amount of single friends and didn't know where to find single friends. I mean, the, the couples thing is interesting. It is a bit weird going out as, or I suppose, almost as a third wheel or whatever yeah. you want to call it, or being the only single person. Personally, it doesn't actually bother me doing that. But it, I could understand why I wouldn't necessarily be at the top of, a, of, of an invite list because, you know, mm. if, you, if you're having a dinner party and you just have a spare wheel... Sort of at the end of the table somewhere, sort of thing. It's a, it, it, it doesn't make even numbers. And certainly with my friendship group, I mean, we were the first ones to get married, and I'm pretty sure we were the first ones to get divorced as well. In fact, yeah, they are still all together. So it, it, it was interesting that. And then there's a lot, I, I'm not, this isn't necessarily my personal experience, but I know other people who've had experience where they've not been invited out because I don't know, people have felt threatened, all that sort of being in their interpretation of it by, you know, a single woman or a single man being in, the, in, in amongst couples and things like that. Um, the dynamics are really complicated and kind of interesting too. Do you think it's harder for men than it is for women to move on with your friendships um, post a breakup? No, I wouldn't say it's harder. It's different because they've, they've thrown themselves into work. You know, that's been their realm and they get this a sort of form of social interaction at work. Or if they do have a social life, it, it's very much at a surface level. I just don't think men are generally as good at connecting with each other as women are. I think having worked with a lot of women and men who are separated, because there's there's a lot of women who work mm. <laughs> as well, I think it depends. 
if you've got children, who has the children? Sometimes that can affect yeah. um, where they live. If the children are living at home with whichever parent they are living with, predominantly living with, I think that can sometimes dictate mm. who has more of a social life. As I said, I mm. think children dictate a lot of our social lives. Because it's not necessarily about who works or who doesn't work. It's more about... There's something about men tend to identify more with work. They tend to get more of their needs met through work, rightly or wrongly. And again, it is a bit of a stereotype, but you could argue, it, you know, even if a woman is working and has the full, same sort of level of job, women just generally, in my experience, tend to be better at also maintaining relationships as well. They get much more from relationships than a guy will. I, I always believe that we all have our own emotional baggage and that directs us right mm. i mean the kind of men that you're describing are the ones if they're identifying with work mm. again that's a defense no i get everything i need from my work it's going to be easier than putting myself out there being vulnerable out there but you know is it a defense i mean it can be a defense um and it's certainly a defense i've used it might be conditioning but not necessarily a defense okay explain what you mean by that i mean again this is old-fashioned conditioning mm. but historically Work has been a realm where it's okay, it's safe to be identified with. You know, sport might be another one. And it, again, it, it just keeps people at a certain level. And then as soon as you get to sort of feelings and that, no, thank you. Um, we're not going there um, because it's not safe. So it protects them from that vulnerability. But there's something about, it's not just vulnerability. It's, it's not just a defense. It's also something about permission. That extends beyond gender then. Oh, it does. Right? It does, for sure. Just because of the nature of society over the last how many hundreds, thousands of years, there's a, a predisposition within the genders. And it's not universal by any stretch, but I think there is a sort of a leaning in certain areas. Do you think um, that's shifting with the current conversations that we're having around um, mental health yeah. and people being able to be more free and owning their their gender, their sexuality, without it being so binary. Do you think that's shifting? Uh, yeah, for God, I hope so, I have to say. But um, yes, I think people are really, really challenging it now. And that's great, because actually otherwise, I think we're getting more and more isolated. Because this is not just heterosexual mm. couples who break up from a long-term relationship. This can happen to anyone. I've had a gay couple who I've worked with. Again, I think it's more about who is more socially dominant in yeah. the relationship, they took the friends. That That's the, the perspective of, of the other party. It's they got the friends. Yeah, but you could argue that's fair because they put the effort in. Yeah, but this was a couple whereby one worked part-time and the other one worked full-time. Mm. And is it fair? It's yeah, almost fair. as if the person who was working full-time was being punished for working full-time. That was, that was their perspective. It, mm. It's This is unfair. I'm working full time and, you know, I want to be invited for dinner, but my ex-partner has been invited instead of me and and it's hurtful and it's painful and they're being punished for not putting in the time and effort almost. There's something here about values and priorities and actually maybe it's something like a separation or a breakup being a wake-up call to really show us what is important that we may have... Um, not paid enough attention in the past friendships being one of them that's absolutely right i don't know about you when i was going through that whole process of reevaluating who my friends were and how i was going to put myself out there to to grow my social circle because i felt a little bit lonely i wasn't alone but i felt lonely i wasn't socializing enough i think 
the first thing I needed to do was talk myself out of, you know, people might still want to see you, <laughs> even though <laughs> you're, you're, you're single. Because I have, I have that fear that okay. I'm not wanted. I mean, that's interesting because actually, I mean, that's going to be true of most of us. You know, how we were in friendships growing up at school, etc. You know, all the way back to how we related to our parents from birth. Yeah. Will play into it and factor into it as we develop. But if we don't dump that, yeah, it forms us, it directs us, and it affects the way we are. That's the projections that you were talking about. Mm. We project that onto other people. Yeah. So for me, for for a while, there were uh, there was a group of people who I didn't want to see because I didn't think they'd want to see me. I didn't think that they would want to be friendly with me, um, considering my new circumstance. And that's the voice in my head. Mm. But I'm imagining that's really the voice coming from their heads. But it's not. It's mine. And it took me a while to own that and a few therapeutic hours with a really good therapist. <laughs> I mean, that's how we take the struggles in life, if you want to call it that, and actually make something from it by growing and developing, reassessing what's going on, healing any childhood wounds. You're talking about friendships and things like that. And then re-engaging in the world in a different way. I mean, it's almost just an experiment. And if we take that kind of approach to life where it is an experiment it becomes much more fun i think than or less heavy maybe that's a better way of putting it i think it's also a matter of owning your stuff for me that's yeah, yeah. that's kind of been yeah. my mantra recently is i need to own my stuff you know if someone tells me go away i don't want you then that's fine or if they show me in a way i can read it that's fine but otherwise don't be afraid to put yourself out there that's mm. that's kind of the thing yeah. that i've learned to manage those times when it's been a bit more lonely when it's when i've needed to grow my social circle try new things look for new people mm. Look to old friends as well, try reconnecting. Yeah, I mean, that's something that's actually rather lovely, rekindling of old friendships. So it's not just looking into the future, but also actually looking into the past and seeing what might have been missed first time around. It's funny, yeah, it's that sense of community where, where you connect on people who have gone through a similar life experience mm. to you. Do you find that it's easier to be friendly with people who are divorced or have come out of long-term relationships? Because I definitely think... It's easier for me at the moment, at this stage in my life, to have friendships with people who've been through it. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. admitting that for me is weird. It feels wrong, um, particularly seeing okay. as this is going to be broadcast and all my <laughs> friends are going to hear it. But but it's true because my friends who are married, yeah. who have never who've never been divorced, don't understand what I've been through. Mm. And everyone puts on you their ideas of you know, how they think you should have been in your marriage or how you should have handled your divorce. Or it, they, I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of judgment. I mean, everyone does it. I mean, mm. we're all human. It's what we do. We, we sit there and we judge other people. I don't think the legal process helps on that front either because there is that sort of confrontation is almost encouraged in some ways. It takes quite a lot of courage actually not to be confrontational. But even without the legal process, yeah. just that separation where... All of a sudden, you've been in this this partnership where everything is about each other for so many years, mm. and all of a sudden, that ends. And you then, you move on in your life. You know, one partner moves out, or both of you move out uh, to, to different homes, and you start this new way of living, and your friends who are married just can't understand that. And, and they will make suggestions sometimes, or they will offer advice but they haven't been through that life experience. Mm. And so it's very, very challenging to to sit there and listen 
without wanting to bite their head off and say, you have no idea what you're talking about, you haven't been through this, or even to, to take on their advice because actually what they're saying is really, really wise, but you're yeah. just not in the place to hear it. The, the other difficulty in that, I mean, I think for a lot of people, a marriage that doesn't work feels very constraining. Yeah. And so actually you come out of that and you're, you feel freer, you feel more expansive. There's a, li- a sense of liberation from it. If it was your choice. Um, if yeah, you wanted okay. it. Yeah, fair Only enough. if you wanted it. But there's something in that that is a threat, potentially, to people who are still in relationship who might be feeling constrained by it. That's interesting. I've got a client who's going through that at the moment where she feels as if she's lost three very close friends who she knows are in terrible marriages. They've all shared how Mm. over the last 10 years, they've all been complaining about their husbands. And she took the decision to leave her husband. And now those other three friends have backed away. And she's sitting there and she's saying, I don't understand. Firstly, They've become more friendly with her ex-husband, which has been incredibly (laughs) difficult. But they've all socialized as couples, right? And their husbands want to stay friendly with her ex-husband. And so what they will do is they will socialize with the ex-husband and then they will socialize with her as well. But she's struggling with that. It's very Mm. difficult for her because she's saying, my friends know who he is. They they know what he's done to me. And yet they'll still socialize with him. And yet... They're not isolated. They're, they work in partnerships. And if their partners don't see that side of him, she's expecting a loyalty, which is unfair. It's an unfair expectation to put mm. on them, right? So she's lost some friendships there because she wants her friends to remain loyal to her. But her friends are remaining loyal to their husbands because what they're doing is they're saying, no, 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 we need to stay constant with both of you. So you've already got that level of yeah. what's going on. And then... There is this feeling of, oh no, they're pulling away, partly because one of them said, my husband doesn't really, is a bit uncomfortable with me socialising with you because he's worried I'll do the same thing. So one has been actually very, very vocal and open Mm. about, you know, you are a threat because you've proven this is possible. And the other two, she thinks it's kind of the same thing. And just adds to more of the trauma of separation. I mean, one of the things is people bond and connect through gossip, trauma, drama. You know, it it gives people something to talk about fundamentally. And so, you know, everybody, I mean, to use your example earlier, of people sort of talking about their husbands, complaining about their husbands, you know, that creates a bond. One of them steps out and actually does something about it. That's unsafe. Yeah, you've changed the dynamic. Yeah. And so if that's not a dynamic I want to follow, or if it is a dynamic I want to follow, because sometimes you've got both that can affect a friendship. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes certainty. The moment you're showing me an uncertain future, I'm going to step away from you for the moment because I can't handle this because you're showing me something which I'm not ready to see. I mean, there, there was one guy I used to meet up for lunch every so often who was a dad from school. He would always assume that I was seeing somebody at the time. And I never bothered correcting him because I knew that on some level you just wouldn't be able to handle it. And it didn't matter given the context of, of our relationship. But I just remember whenever I come away from lunch with him and just chuckling to myself, just thinking, this is bizarre. But it's easier. It, would be it easier. was easier. So you know how you said that your friends watched you on this journey where it was tumultuous. Did any of them ever turn around to you and go, oh, thank God? It's over. I mean, I had friends who were quietly supportive. I don't think I, in fact, I know 
that I wasn't very good at reaching out for help at that time. But no, I don't think I got the thank God. What about you? Well, I have a good friend of mine who, she married a man who I wasn't crazy about. I just didn't like the way he treated her. I just didn't like him, (laughs) which is rare for me. Their marriage lasted not long, but during her marriage, I just couldn't be friends with her. And it's awful. Mm. I just couldn't bring myself to be friends with her. I I stepped away because for her, she wanted us to socialize as couples. My ability to socialize was limited. Our good amount of times was limited. I wasn't going to waste it on him, even though I love her. And when she separated from him, it was so easy. I was in there like a shot. And I actually, I did tell her, I'm like, do you know something? I'm really sorry. I wasn't there for you. I didn't even go to her wedding. I mean, it was just, and I told her, I was very honest with her. I said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I just couldn't be there for you. And she she challenged me. She said, you know, you never told me. And I said, I know, but if I had, would you have listened to me? Would you have still married him? Mm. She's like, yeah, of course I would. I'm like, okay. So it would have just damaged our friendship. We wouldn't be able to have this conversation now. We'd have just separated and that would have been the end of it. And it, it strengthened our bond. Because I was able to be there for her at the end of her marriage. And there was just a a new understanding of the way we both process and the way we are with each other. And a a kind of a respect grew. She didn't like the fact that I stood away from her, but she respected the decision I made. It was an interesting dynamic. She sounds like a good friend. This is just it. Mm. I think when we go through these shifts in our relationships, breakdowns of marriages, long-term relationships... I think that's when you really do find out who your friends are. And they can be people from the past. They can be people who you create new friendships because you joined the the divorcee club or whatever it is. (laughs) It helps you to work out who your true friends are. You work out the loyalties. You work out who you are thanks to the sameness and the differences. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's often the case, not just with breakups, but any struggle in life. You know, if people get ill or whatever it might be, it does. It seems to flush things out, I suppose. Well, thank you so much for today. Mm -hmm. It's been great. Yeah, it's been lovely to spend time with you. Thank you so much to Oliver Baum for joining me. The thing I found most useful from that conversation is the realisation that when our life circumstances change, it's only normal that our social circumstances are going to change too. And how we respond to that change can affect our friendships. I think what Oliver has also helped me to remember is that those changes don't only impact on us as divorcees, but also on our friends. Everyone has to adjust. And so it's important to remain kind and patient and communicate well during that period of adjustment post-breakup. For more information on Oliver, please go to oliverbaum.co.uk and check out his brand new podcast. Next week, we'll be discussing how you know when a friendship is really over. See you there. Handbaggage Only is presented by me, Suzette Shamoon, produced by Amanda Redman and brought to you by Audir Communications. Please remember to rate and review the show and to leave a comment with any themes you would like us to explore. For more information, you can go to suzettshamoon.com. See you next time.